interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> my bloody podcast is back episode 90 oh my god we're in the 1990s episode 90 my bloody podcast i'm brian kluger and i am joined by the host with the most the man that i love who i want to if if we're ever killed together and we're talking about <laughs> hands and getting handsy uh i want this man with me preston barto what's up i'll be your hand anytime i'm i'm good yeah, it's been uh, incredibly busy with new job stuff, but and it's been a bit of a struggle to find time to catch up on a lot of movies, record, and things like that, but all good. Oh, oh, good. I'm sorry. My dog's going crazy, but uh, she's she's good. Got some uh, mail? Got some movies? Got some pro- hopefully. Ho- hopefully. Got some horror movies coming in. I'm very excited, uh, but I uh, can't believe, man... 90 episodes with you can you believe it no i can't it's funny that you said that we're in the 90s since we're entering class of 99 with the movie that we're talking about today i know right i know right uh i've i'm excited about this we we've been talking about this movie for a while and i know we both love it um we we haven't done this show for about i almost uh, to the day about a month um the last time <laughs> We did a My Bloody Podcast episode with the two of us was with our good friend Jeff Howard when we talked about Escape from L.A. And he was part of that movie. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a good time. He, though, I'm still thinking about a lot of those stories that he, that he said, especially about just the, the relationship that he had with uh, Deborah, which uh, was just incredibly sweet. It it really it really was. And, you know, after that show and since then, I've been thinking, you know, what a good what a fun show idea is to uh, get people like Jeff um, yeah. at their time in the industry where they were just like a production assistant to have their awesome stories from their perspective rather than like the big film director or an actor, <laughs> I think, is take. Right. It was so cool. Yeah, that's generally like the direction I like to go in when I do any of my interview stories is I like to talk to people that were maybe just uh, either just even producers like they, you know, they may seem higher up, but they don't tend to be the people that journalists go for most of the time. It's usually like the directors, the writers and the actors, of course, but you can get some awesome stories uh, from some of the people from production uh, down the line uh, down to people like Jeff who were just you know assistants or 
uh, grips or just like onset because they get to, you know, eavesdrop and hear some of these really cool stories that, um, you know, directors, you know, they're doing so many things at once that maybe they're we're missing some details. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. We should do uh, reach out more often and see what we can uh, find. No, that would be super fun. I love that idea. <laughs> it's pretty good, but uh, yeah, we're we're doing we're doing uh, our main feature today on my bloody podcast is Idle Hands from 1999. Oh man, I can't yes. wait to talk about it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we got bloody recommendations. We got bloody tunes. We got a bloody question. But first, the bloody bits of news. First, we just uh, we, we're just happy to be back together again, Preston and I. You know, virtually, I cannot wait till the day where we can see each other in person and do this in person like we used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we well, we at least got to see each other for a little bit with masks on at uh, Movie Trade Co. When James Cole Clay, our friend, uh, came into the Dallas region, picked up a few movies. Mostly looked for him since he doesn't have a movie trade and co, which is pretty much like uh, a God amongst uh, movie stores, uh, especially in this area, just cause they have so like such a variety and uh, cool new stuff and new old stuff. A lot of stuff that we talk about on this show. Um, so uh, that was fun. It was nice to at least see some, see some people that I really dearly miss. Yeah, yourself. man. It, it really well, – well, why thank you? <laughs> no, it was really nice Like because, again, like I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, for James, for me, I haven't seen him since Fantastic Fest of last I year. I mean, same here. I'm, yeah. But we talk – I talk to him like every day and we call each other, so it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's still like really nice to see people in the flesh. Right, no, it's because the last time I saw Preston was in March. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird not to see him in person when we see each other like twice or more a week. So, uh, but I, I was glad to see him. It was good to see uh, him uh, just looking at movies because we actually we have never done that before. So it was fun, kind of. Hey, man, look at this movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's fun to see like these like silly things that we do in terms of our process for finding movies and discovering them uh like for instance i showed you like i have a certain hiding spot for movies that may be a little pricier or something i'm like i don't want to get it just yet but i don't want it to be gone uh, because i know it's the last one and so i'm always rolling the dice well pretty much every day with like one movie that i'm hiding in just <laughs> this one spot of the store because they somebody could just discover it by the uh, chance of uh, buying the movie that uh, it's hidden behind <laughs> or no, re, uh, yeah. reorganizing the shelf. Um, and then also seeing like James Cole Clay just get real giddy uh, trying to find certain movies and then finding them uh, for a good price because a lot of the movies that they have there um, that we like and that we hunt for, uh, especially like, James Cole Clay and I like we were we're nuts about the slip covers from uh, Shout Factory and Scream Factory movies, and they have quite a bit of them um, that you don't have to pay like more than twenty five dollars for, uh, which like to the outside world seems like you have to go on eBay and pay like 
40 bucks or something, sometimes more, especially if it has a slip cover. So that's it was true. Nice. Yeah, it is. And then I did find a Preston's Preston's hiding place. And I told him I'm just going to go there. And he's <laughs> not there and buy it and then leave him a nasty note. Yeah. <laughs> and say like beach. I got this. <laughs> Double the I've been price wanting this too, now. and uh, it's like ninety dollars on eBay. It's uh, it's mine now. It's mine now. So that, no, that was pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the deal. Um, but uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, we got to talk about we talk about Fantastic Fest a lot on this show because we go there every year. Uh, James Cole Clay, Preston, myself, Susan Kamyab, Mark Chaffordini, Mark Walters. It's like this Dallas crew that we all get together and get to go watch all these fun, awesome movies. And so with the pandemic and everything, so everything's closed, everything's shuttered, film festivals are closed. Well, it just so happens that Fantastic Fest coming up in September, we were all waiting to hear what was going to happen. And of course, thank God. It is not happening. It is canceled. But oddly, oddly, like most other film festivals that have done a virtual film festival where you can watch movies online, Fantastic Fest has opted not to do that, which I find very strange. Preston, what do you think? Have they? Uh, I saw the, a news story on Ju- July 8th that they were currently in the lab working on programs for fun online gatherings and events according to this uh, official quote from uh somebody out as probably involved with programming that they were uh considering uh, a goal for a virtual event every night from september 24th through october 1st which will showcase short programs fun things like 100 best kills secret screenings and uh online feuds Uh, which is something that they have as an event at Fantastic Fest when it was uh, up and running for in in the flesh. And then they have some other fun surprises like showcasing some movies that have played at Fantastic Fest throughout history. So I think that's a cool idea. Um, I I hope that's like actually in the books and the information that you got is not after the fact. Right. So the press release that I saw said something like, you know, the – what makes the festival fantastic simply cannot recreate it through zoom. And therefore we don't believe a virtual film festival would capture the spirit of a film festival. So I don't think they're actually, so like Fantasia, which is like the bigger fantastic fest are doing like a full virtual film festival. Well, where fantastic fest seems like they're just like doing like something for a couple hours every day or night during fantastic fest and not like the full festival like maybe you'll get to see shorts but not narratives or you know uh things in that of that nature but maybe there might be a debate thing and stuff like that however it doesn't look like they're doing the full virtual experience they're just going to wait till next year okay um well, I mean, if there's at least something out there, I mean, just reading the description that I, I did a second ago, like, I think that's just cool enough for me. I mean, I don't, especially like now when it's like not a huge thing that I can make a trip because it, it makes it great to go to Austin, hang out with friends and eat shitty food and um just chill and be around a bunch of sweaty people, which is not ideal for the time now, but um that's just what made it great and so 
I just don't see the point in me like, you know, scheduling a PTO for myself at work and taking time off to just watch stuff. So I, I mean, I would only be able to put dedicate a few hours out of the day or maybe even just an hour depending on like what sort of uh, programming they have in place but and i don't know like what kind of films are like even done for this at this point i'm sure there's like some stuff like maybe even worm which is a movie that we absolutely loved at a fantastic fest last year which has disappointingly no news about what it's going to be doing in terms of release which is so upsetting because that was like one of my favorite movies of last year but they could have stuff like that early complete uh that would be great for uh, a secret screening or just like some sort of like fun programming that they could do to kind of get some uh uh noise out there about the those films but it just seems like most of the stuff that they would have they would be like accepting like now or uh because the it's those big big movies that are, are really a lot of fun um or at least get people's eyes uh in butts and seats and things like that um so yeah as long as there's something there i think having zoom debates seems kind of fun to me um or just seeing people comments on the nature of the film business right now like how things are going to be shifting because uh, i'm sure stuff like halloween kills which is what we're going to be talking about next um will they could talk about like the, the the date shift and um like like why they're putting movies out now and then like how they're planning to uh do things for because movie sets, you know, you got to be a little intimate. You're going to be touching and things like that. And then there was some talk about, like, doing CGI when it comes to stuff like that. So it's just going to – I'd like to know a little bit more about, like, what's the, the landscape right now. Right. And that's what I'd, I'd like to know, which, I mean, Hollywood has been stopped production for a few months now. But who knows if they're actually – full force getting back to it which doesn't seem like it's a good idea all movies are going to be like uh going back to uh i don't know justice league with uh what's his uh henry cavill's mustache like it's just going to have that sort of like (laughs) polish (laughs) right (laughs) it's going to look funny so yeah fantastic fest we'll have more info on what actually will be happening as uh, it draws closer, because it would be awesome to kind of like still be part of that whole thing. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but we, yeah, Preston said we're going to talk about Halloween Kills, the sequel to the recent Halloween that we all saw at Fantastic Fest opening night a couple years ago. Yes, there is, is going to be a trilogy. The second film uh, was supposed to be released this year, but they have postponed it until uh next year actually late next year around halloween of 2021 but they gave us a very quick very small 30 second teaser uh telling you how perhaps mike myers survived the uh climax of that first film uh what did you think what do you think about this well uh there's this great uh meme out there where it shows the like an image from the teaser that was released that John Carpenter shared on Instagram. I think that's where it originally started and then it just kind of made its way out from there. And to quickly comment on the teaser, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, just cause 
I, I mean, our, our thoughts and feelings about Halloween, the 2018 version, ha- are very well documented. Um, we, I think both of us were kind of like, uh, we, we, we enjoy it to a degree. We, there's a lot of problems with it. But I'm, I was really curious of how they were going to pick up with Michael Myers being burnt at the end uh, again um for since, since like the second one and various others but uh how they were going to pick that up because i was like he's locked down there they're gone like what are they going to be doing like how are they going to resurrect him this time around without getting like super incredibly supernatural i guess but uh the teaser is just the three generations of uh, the strode family in the back of this truck a la uh, texas chainsaw massacre style just uh, as they, Michael's trapped in the basement of, of Laurie Strode's house and it's just on fire and he's going to burn to death, uh, presumably. And so they're driving, they're, they're escaping. And then you hear sirens of fire trucks going to put out the fire uh, because those things happen pretty quick now. Um, and it's just lori going no 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 like let him burn let him burn um so we'll see how that picks up but that's that's just like the possibilities it just gets your imagination running and so that was exciting for me that it can do something like that but then at the very end of the trailer uh the teaser is october what is it 21st or 19 or whatever it is um 2021 which is so upsetting because that's when like Halloween ends was originally supposed to come out, but the nature of the beast with COVID and the pandemic happening now, they just don't want to risk putting something out there that uh, wouldn't be uh, consumed properly because people would be very worried and um, as they should be. So on, on one level, it's like, yes, totally understandable. I don't see what the possibility of us seeing even though christopher nolan thinks otherwise uh with tenant um still gonna come out in august so i don't know like we'll just have to see how things go in the theater but for right now i think it's probably it's a smart move but at the same time after watching that trailer you're like damn it i kind of want that right now (laughs) i'm i'm there with you i would love to see that movie right now but yes uh christopher nolan just needs to accept that all movies are canceled until next year. Hope and I'm I'm guarantee you tenant's gonna be pushed back even further. So um Yeah. I I'm, I assume like there are probably quite a few arguments over Zoom right now, W B and Tenant, so uh or Christopher Nolan. So uh yeah, it it'd be wise for like a lot of the movies for the rest of the year to just wait until next year. Right. Um, so and, and just let these uh small movies shine. Yes. Agreed. Um, so with Halloween Kills, <laughs> I read something that there's going to be like a certain scene or certain sequences where it's just fucking mayhem of killing. And so with this teaser and you see all these fire trucks and police cars and ambulances heading to the house, I wonder if like Michael My- or if Myers is just so pissed that he's been burned alive and bested that he's just going to kill every first responder <laughs> that he sees in the beginning of this movie <laughs> yeah and he's going to do the return of the living dead uh more more cops more paramedics that yep. would be hilarious oh my god how amazing would it, that it, be? it's like yeah he's got to build up his uh strength like freddie versus jason by uh 
killing some more people, getting that <laughs> getting that sin in his system. Oh my god, that's gonna be so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, so Halloween kills. Um, I would imagine we're not gonna hear really anything else until yeah. mid next year about this movie. Like, I doubt they're gonna release a a theatrical trailer or anything until yeah for several yeah, months. This this so. is, this is good enough. Um, may, maybe they might do something around Halloween. I don't know. Um, but. Uh, th- this is pretty good enough. This gets me excited and uh, kicking around ideas about it. Yes. All right. Uh, another bit of news in the form of Netflix, one of Preston's favorite Netflix horror shows, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, otherwise just known as Sabrina the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, they had some news this week on net for Netflix. What was that news, Preston? Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Uh, it's... Um, so the the last chapter will be this year uh, for for this show. So that that's like four, that's four seasons, which is it's a good run. Like that's that's pretty like you don't want to milk this cow too long. Otherwise, there's just like no nothing there. You're you're, you're borrowing from other areas because it's already like it's a lot of fun, especially this last season. I really enjoyed it. But they're doing some some unique things here and there, but then some other things uh, maybe feel a little like uh, Avengers Endgame, and because they're playing with time a little bit and alternate realities. Uh, but they're they're nice uh, situations for the characters to be in because I'm curious as to where it will go. However, I'm most curious to know how how far in advance did they know that this show would probably end here. Um, I don't know if it's just like maybe that was planned uh, that um, like the final episode of this last chapter will end in a clean way or clean enough to where, uh, you know, it still gets you wondering like where it could go from there, like some shows do, but at least uh, feels like it wraps up a lot of the things that have been laid out there. So I think I'm most curious about that. I hope that it has a clean, nice ending and it's something like FX has done with some of their shows like Wilfred, which, you know, they canceled after their fourth season, but the ratings were down with season three and they just didn't see how it could continue to go forward, but they at least gave them the opportunity to wrap up their story. So I I wonder if that's like the same thing here. Um, I haven't done enough digging into it, um, but because I just like, got hit with the headline of like oh it, it's ending here and i was like oh no i really like i really enjoyed this show like there, there's some cheese in it and things like that but uh they do a lot of really fun stuff that's like buffy uh that takes me back to the days of buffy that i really enjoy that i've been talking about since uh it started um so yeah we'll see um but yeah i'm a little hurt by it yeah, it always sucks when your show is uh, canceled or is not going to be renewed for a different season. But Netflix really doesn't go for many seasons with pretty much all of their original shows. It's usually yeah, between four like, and uh, five. Orange is the New Black or something like yeah. that. I think they know that there, there's a point where it can spin its wheels a little bit, um, that there's, there's, there's enough good stuff out there already that uh, we don't need to go too much further. So I respect that. Uh, but still, like you, you enjoy hanging out with these characters, so you want to keep hanging out with them. But then you look at stuff that's been around for a long time, even something like that '70s show, which is one of my favorite shows. The last season absolutely is dog shit. 
and but I still watch it. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a feel good show. Um, so yeah, Sabrina will end. Uh, end it, this is it already been filmed? I take it, and it will come out later this year. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, if I'm let's see if I if there was any like information about like how many episodes or anything like that, but it's usually around like the eight to ten area. Um, but I'm not seeing anything that sticks out just right away. Um, no, I'm not seeing anything. So it'd probably be around that. I, I assume that everything's already done, but, um, yeah, they'll probably have to do some like sound stuff and everything like that, but you can do all that from your house. Cool, cool, cool. All right, moving on. Uh, there's a, a new, new film called Peninsula. To release in August, it's going to hit Shutter, the streaming service Shutter, next year. And Peninsula is something that I think we've all been waiting for for a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Train to Busan. I have a, a steel book of that, and so I'm, I've been very eager for the next chapter. And so, with everything going on with COVID, I didn't know when it was actually going to happen. And now, uh, presumably, it also is going to release around August with Tenet. Um, but we'll see how things actually pan out for that. Um, but if if all else fails, it will hit Shutter next year. Could you imagine if Christopher Nolan uh, <laughs> said, okay, fuck it, we're not going to release it in theaters, we're going to release it on streaming, but only release it to something like Shudder? <laughs> There's no damn way he would ever do that. Like, he would have to be, like, assassinated or have a invasion of a body snatcher type of situation for him, because that would never, ever happen. <laughs> Like he just like screw it. This is gonna go to a very small streaming service. We're gonna get them up. Like that's kind of a cool thing to do. But uh, yeah, I don't think that happening. But yeah, Peninsula and Tenant released the same day, double feature. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, Peninsula. If you haven't seen Train to Busan, highly, highly, highest actually recommendation. It is one hell of a zombie film, and. Uh, the long-awaited sequel to the Peninsula is just, oh my goodness, I've been dying for it. And so there's been talk of doing like an American version of it and stuff like mm. that. So uh, I don't know. I Just seek out Train to Busan. You're, you're going to be satisfied. Yeah. Good stuff. So Peninsula hitting uh, Shutter in August. Moving on to a little bit of uh, Lee Wannell news. You know Lee Wannell. We, we like Lee Wannell, don't we? Yeah, big but, time. Yeah, he's, but, he's, I mean, Upgrade and Invisible, invisible Man. They're uh, not, not counting like Saw and Insidious and stuff like that. He's oh, yes. Guy. Yeah, no, Saw, Insidious. Uh, did, he, did he do Conjuring at all? Um, I... I don't think so. I think it was just Insidious and just James Wan is uh, he, he, I'm sure like he had some what of an association with it, but I, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So yeah, but um, Lee Wannell definitely was the writer of Saw and Saw 2, mostly all the Saw's Dead Silence, Cooties, um, Insidious. And then he got his, uh, his really big break. I mean, he did direct Insidious Chapter 3 and Upgrade, but the one that really brought him on yeah. the map 
as a filmmaker was Invisible Man. So since the huge critical success and financial success of Invisible Man, uh, Universal's like, well, shit, Leonel, you're <laughs> doing really well. How about you take Wolfman on with fucking Ryan Gosling? <laughs> it's like mind blown and i'm i'm real excited about this because when i think about ryan gosling i can't see the man screaming in agony transforming into a wolf but i really want to see it (laughs) i i I wonder if he's gonna have like because the funniest thing to me especially watching something like the nice guys is like high high pitched squeals that he does yeah i wonder if it'll be like that (laughs) i just want to see that I, I'm really curious, but uh, Wolfman has been tried. It's been tried to be done before, you know. Like Benicio we, del we've Toro. Seen many, yeah, Benicio del Toro uh, one. You have Wolfman with Jack Nicholson. All these iterations of the Wolfman, but now it looks like Universal. After the horrible Tom Cruise mummy version, I think they're trying to reboot it and let, uh, since Invisible Man was so good, have uh, Lee Wannell do Wolfman, which is awesome because Wolfman is one of my favorite characters. And I just think it would be really cool. And just like out of nowhere, Ryan Gosling, because I love Ryan Gosling, and we've seen many times before actors cast in roles where we're like, who? You know, such as... um, uh, such as Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You know, he's a Broadway dancer and singer, and then the dude just owned Wolverine. Or Heath Ledger as Joker, you know, romantic comedy guy. And you're just like, holy shit. So I think Ryan Gosling would really do really well because most of the time you see Ryan Gosling as a clean-shaven, young, baby-faced dude. To see him, like, fully harried up, I can't wait. I mean, he has an excellent beard in the notebook. And uh, there's that scene where he's like, what do you want? And he has his beard and everything like that. So, uh, I mean, it could work out for him. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Ryan Gosling fan. And uh, and, and I trust Lee Wynnell to make something exciting out of it. Uh, how do you feel about the, it should be its own movie? Like, I don't know if there's going to be like a little tease at the end where it's like, we're getting the team together and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> God um, damn so it, I hope, I hope Samuel like Jackson that. is it. Oh, no, I do. I hope Samuel Jackson is like, we're getting <laughs> a fucking team together. God damn it. Please make that happen. Like, it doesn't have to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I really hope that's the case because that would just like, yes, I would not roll my eyes at that. I've been wanting that to happen for so long because I think that would be really cool, like a Monster Squad-esque type of thing uh but yeah i mean the invisible so the invisible man thing um we know that she has the invisible suit now so it might be her and not him now Mm -hmm. but i think like to have him like a superhero type of thing to take out otherworldly monsters would be so cool like it's gonna end with like Ryan Gosling and Wolf Form, like just howling at the moon at the end after like some great success of beating the bad guy or whatever it is. And then you can see like his breath uh, just going out into the cold night. And then he's going to see some breath from behind him. <laughs> that's invisible. <laughs> that's, yes, that's invisible. Or like a, a bat fly into the breath and change. I don't know. I think, oh my God, there's so much good stuff. I'm geeking out here, as you could tell. <laughs> but yes, all the Ryan Gosling Wolfman. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm definitely in for Lee Wanell to do uh, Wolfman because I uh, in- Invisible Man was really good. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Which brings us uh, perfectly into it was not by design at all. Uh, absolutely, it was. Um, we're going to be discussing the Mondo final release finally for the invisible man uh we i mean we've talked about how much we love that movie um and i think what makes it such a great movie is its simplicity like everything's just kind of done in a very elegant simple way uh, from my perspective and that same simplicity carries over into this this vinyl release um uh, brian you can talk a little bit more about like some of the music tracks on there perhaps because that's like more your forte but i i love to just discussing the the design and so for this mondo release uh which i believe you can still pick up through mondotees.com um i haven't checked their inventory on that but um the design itself comes from our good friend mo uh, shafiq and so um it's just like still images from the movie like the it once you take this little slip that's on it that's clear. It looks like a handprint on on a shower kind of look, but it, it, it's more like in the design of the suit itself, which has like all those little uh, balls all over it. That's kind of moving. That creates like that that projection image of being invisible. I don't know the mechanics of it, but the design of that carries over into this cool uh, Mondo release. Um, but then when you take that little slip off. It's just uh, the poster art, which I think is really great, simple, of uh, Elizabeth, uh, what's her name? Moss. Moss. Thank you. Uh, She's just in the shadows looking out uh, very paranoid-like. And so there's that. And I think it's just great for that. And then when you open it up, it's her screaming, being scared, running away from the house. And then the back is just like a simple black. And then on the inside... There are double vinyls, or not vinyls, sorry, Brian, you killed me for that one, vinyl <laughs> records, um, and they're clear, Yep. And uh, which is, uh, you know, no go figure, but also, hey, thank you. Uh, I, I like that that simplicity, again, is carrying over there. And then uh, there is the, the liner notes of, like, all the people that were involved with creating of the music and uh, part of the, the, the orchestra that made this happen. Um, and then there's like a nice little black and white image of Elizabeth Moss crying, not really crying, but just being uh, scared and emotional, fearful of the situation that she's in, um, but also kind of empowered because she has a little bit of the upper hand um, leaning against an ambulance outside uh, the, this quote unquote psych ward. Um, but what's what's really cool is that it comes with a message from Lee Winnell, Um, and I'm going to read part of it just because I think he perfectly kind of he captures like what's so great about the score. And, and that's mainly just that it's a character itself. It really serves a purpose uh, more so than just, uh, you know, being a little bit of a background uh, noise kind of thing. It's not just it's not like that. Like this, the score is there to fill in the voids 
of the invisible man himself because he's not there to uh or not well he's there but he's not has that uh voice per se because he's meant to just be quiet so that uh score comes in to kind of express the feeling that uh maybe had in the mo in the moment so uh the short note that he provides is when you write a film like the invisible man you already know that a large part of it is going to be focused on what you can hear instead of what you can see. Before I ever met uh, Benjamin Walfish, uh, who, who is the person who did the score, I knew that the score for this film had to represent the title character. It had to speak for him. It had to say a lot about him. I knew all this, and yet I could never have dreamed that Benjamin would say as much as he did with this incredible score. When the camera is pointing down an empty hallway, his music fills in the blanks with a slow-burning menace that makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It is beautifully terrifying, and it is scarily perfect. Um, and, and there's a little bit more about, like... Uh, him talking about like working alongside Benjamin, but that's pretty much like that. That's, that's what makes the score great. And I like this score a lot because it's a lot of strings and there's like even some like fun little beats here and there. Uh, I think there's one song called attack that sounds like uh, lights, like big lights being turned on. Like uh, at the end of Halloween 2018, when Lori's turning on all those, it has that kind of feel to it. Um, so there's string stuff going on. There's a lot of distortion sounds going on that just kind of uh, make me think of like get out when you're falling into the sunken place uh, that just uh, just really feel like you're being sucked down and pulled into a, a situation that you don't want to be in. Um, so a lot of that stuff and uh, probably my favorite track on this uh, release or just uh, the score in general is a, a song called The Suit, which is like. I guess you could say it's the theme in a way. Um, I think it's just like beautifully haunting in a very gothic kind of way. So I think it perfectly represents uh, the source material of the, you know, the original Wolfman, like this kind of gothic feel. And so um, I think, uh, yeah, Mondo knocked it out of the park with just, you know, keeping it dead simple and uh, putting a nice little bow on it. I, yes, I agree. It. It looks really cool. I love the clear actual vinyl to it um, and the clear little slip case. You, you nailed it, Preston, describing that. Uh, really good. Really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the music. So this movie, when I saw it in theaters in Dolby Atmos, um, just blew me away sound-wise, audio-wise, with the score and the sound effects. And when it was released on 4K and Blu-ray and all that good stuff, it came with that Dolby Atmos track. And I got to listen to it here at the house. And it was just as good. Like, it, it's it's one of the best sounding movies to be released this year on, on video. I mean, and like the constant ocean waves, the breaths, the everything. But then also with... Um, with his score, his unbelievably cool uh, and haunting uh, music, Ben Walfish, he just really, he just really went for it. Like he did, uh, he paid homage, in my opinion, to uh, some of the stuff of Bernard Herrmann, which he did a few uh, horror films, but he kind of mixed some 
really uh, eerie strings, uh, along with a little bit of a little bit of synth and industrial sounds to me, and I think that uh, it all really went uh, it all mixed well. So kind of like how it starts very slowly and then it just kind of builds the tension um and as you're listening to it at home on your turntable you can like get a sense of dread it's like something you don't want to put on really during um like when you're having a romantic dinner but if you're like sitting there and you're just like oh man this is like it kind of like gets you a little tense to me but it also has this like old school 30s classical sound to it uh and interestingly enough you know you it comes with two uh records but there's only three sides to the whole thing mm. uh it's uh it's it's pretty cool uh but yeah the the, the audio the the song track listing is all great um and it just kind of like a good build of uh suspense intention throughout the whole thing uh mixed with you know like an orchestral uh slash synth sound and i think it just worked perfectly uh preston do you have do you do you agree did you like it yeah yeah 100 uh that's why i leave you to talk about the music because i can't put that that articulated that well but uh yeah those feelings carry across over here for sure so i looked it up and it is currently still available so this is one of the rare cases where we talk about a vinyl uh release from mondo and uh it is actually available so you can go on mondo tees or mondoshop.com um i believe you can still get through at mondo tees as well but um you can buy it for 35 dollars. you can buy it in the way that we're describing which i think we both received the crystal clear edition um but you can also get a, a version of it where the it's the vinyl itself is black um so you have the option there but we uh we love the clear one i like uh seeing that that needle like hit through and then seeing the other side so i like that right right and uh a little bit of promo news when you get this record uh death waltz and mondo uh have teamed together and they kind of uh tell you what is coming out soon and so with the invisible man yeah what did it say what would we get well it says that you know that we mentioned with Lee now doing the movie upgrade that they mentioned that as well but coming soon they have freddy versus jason <laughs> i'm so fucking excited for this because for many reasons uh because i love that, this that movie, is the freddy most versus- 2000s horror score ever in its right awesome. <laughs> So I'm curious if it's going to have the mix of the score in addition to kind of like that um, early 2000 kind of hardcore rock or metal music to it. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, there was several songs from bands in there, but uh, I really loved this score because, you know, specifically the scene where they real or several of the scenes where they kind of mix the kiki. Yeah, yeah. Ma, 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 the Friday Thirteenth with the barrel, 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 yeah. with Nightmare on Elm Street. But then when the two finally face off, you hear like that throaty electric guitar, that doo doo. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> they're gonna fight finally. Uh, that was really cool. So I'm really hoping Freddie vs. Jason's gonna knock it out of the park like 
Invisible Man did. So kudos to Mondo and Death Waltz for putting together an impressive release. Yes, we're, we're, we're eager to get our hands on that. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, um, that is uh, news. Actually, before we move on to the question, uh, Preston, I just received an email um, from Scream Factory. They have announced the Universal Horror Collection Volume 6. Yes, going and I believe to be- it's the final one, right? Yes, uh, August, coming out August 25th. Um, and it looks like the Black Castle cult of the cobra the thing that couldn't die and the shadow of the cat will all be will all be in there and uh, i know you're a huge fan of the universal horror collection and so uh, do you have all one through five i sure do you i i sure do so here you go get that get that six that sixth and final one so uh yeah this is uh this is pretty cool uh, yeah, these we, are yeah, these are exciting. I, I talked about it in that that episode that we did where we talked about uh, the ten great Scream Factory releases that are out there, and that was one of the big ones for me. And I I recommended I believe I want to say the first one, um, just because it, it's just really nice. I mean, I like going back and watching some of these like Universal horror movies, but the most of our attention goes to like the the main players that we've talked about with Invisible Man, Wolfman, Dracula and the mummy and things like that. But it's, it's cool to go back and like watch some of these, uh, ones that aren't talked about that much at all, but they still feature those horror icons in them. And some of them are like the Raven, like Edgar Allan Poe. And they're really neat ideas. Um, so yeah, I enjoy the hell out of those. And so I'm down for, uh, some more, um, and it's, it's a bit sad that this is the last one. I don't know like how many other properties are out there, but uh, educating myself with each one. And I'm sure they're easier to put out too, um, because uh, I think Shout Factory, Scream Factory are going to be announcing some of the titles that they have in the pipeline coming out. But uh, that also troubles their ability to create some of the bonus features because they can't go out and shoot this footage at people's houses with the pandemic going on. And so I wonder how they're going to make that happen. If it's going to be like, uh, like Hamilton right now, you go on Disney plus and that the one feature they have on there is like a Q and a, but it's all them uh, on a zoom chat. So I don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, I'm sure it's a little bit easier for something like the universal horror collection, which, you know, all these people are dead. And so they just have uh, film historians commenting on it, which I'm all about as well. So it's probably a little easier for them to put together. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Very cool, very cool. But that wraps up our bloody bits of news section. Uh, Quite a bit out there. We, We love talking about all this good horror stuff. But moving on to our bloody question. We ask a horror-themed question. We bring it to Reddit. We're going to ask the horror uh, question right now. Fun one uh, in relation to Idle Hands, our main event today on episode 90 of my bloody podcast. The question, my bloody question is, what would be a good sequel title to Idle Hands? So uh, if you could title a sequel to the hit 1990 film Idle Hands, what would you call it? Also... Who would you cast present day or would you keep the cast the same? And what would the film revolve around? So Preston, (laughs) what you got? 
title wise, just because uh, why not go this route? Idle hands colon hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Preston went pornographic. Very excited. <laughs> um, and I guess I'll pull a Rodman here uh, in trying to think of uh, something on the on the spot. But uh, let's see. I would bring back Jessica Alba for sure. Um, and I don't know how dirty I want to get with that because as we're going to get into uh, um, this movie, like she looks really, she's very attractive in idle hands, but she's also 17 at the time that she was shooting it. And so that's like a bit icky uh, to, to get down, to go down that rabbit hole. But uh, I mean, she's, she's fine of age now and she still looks good. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where i want to go with that but it's got to have jessica alba in there for sure and uh i i I don't want to put myself in a position where i'm going to get some shit for this later so i'll just stop there so so what president is trying to say with idle hands hand jobs jessica halba is using her hands to uh in carpentry making um going (laughs) building houses for the poor with her hand her her dead hands (laughs) correct Yes, that is the that is the PC route to go. There there will be a lot of hammering. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, uh, that's that's that that's where Preston's going with it, folks. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What's, what's very that, kind that, hearted, very lighthearted, you know. What's that charity? The oh shit, that where they build houses for people. Oh damn it, I can't remember it. But it's it's one of something like that. There we okay. go. <laughs> um, you want to hear mine? Please. You, you, you have the, the brass downstairs that I don't. <laughs> I am going to uh, go with Idle Feet. And it is going to center Tarantino. on... Yes, Idle Feet. Yes, Tar- Tarantino's dream job. Um, Idle Feet. And it is going to be a... Um, a movie about a ex- inspiring Olympic marathon runner <laughs> who loses awesome. his foot <laughs> and uh, he tries to make it and his foot tries to help him out. <laughs> but it, by, uh, by killing other of the contestants or the other runners <laughs> to get his dream. So I think that would be fun. Who would I cast in it? I would go with a completely different cast and I believe I would actually want uh, an inspiring runner who's kind of older, and I would kind of want it to be Daniel Craig <laughs> to be uh, a, an inspiring runner who's older who still wants to run. But he's too old, so his foot helps him out. <laughs> He'd make a good coach, too. He would be. He would make a good coach. But, yeah, I just, I just that's want that, Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good route to take. I, I, I'd watch that movie. I would watch that too. I, idle hands too. Colon idle feet, <laughs> or just idle the sequel. Probably idle just idle hands. feet. Yeah, uh, I like that. Um, so yeah, that would be uh, that would what I would do. My other thought that I had before I went with this whole one was idle pause, and it would be like idle hands <laughs> but with a dog, <laughs> and it would be a talking dog. <laughs> So that's where I'm putting my answer to shame. Um, 
yeah, let's let's keep going with this. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go to Reddit and read some of the 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 comments that we got here. And of course, Robert GA23 thought uh, said what we were all thinking. Um, idle penis, the incel years. So I don't know what that incel years means, but idle penis, yes. Um, Voorhees89 said, idle hands, a farewell to arms. Yeah, <laughs> evil that to homage. <laughs> so I thought that was really great. Thank you, Voorhees89, a farewell to arms. Um, Zebrahead110 said, Anton possesses the devil's hand, which uh, I guess so. And then Isaac Priestley said, devil's work. So there's a few more on there, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll post the link so you can read all of them. But yes, Voorhees89 definitely wins Idle Hands a Farewell to Arms, <laughs> which I would imagine maybe the whole arm is going to go. I don't know. Yeah, it's making its way down. Now it wants more control. Yeah, that's uh, pre- pre- pretty good. Pretty good, as Der- Larry David would like to say. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, My Bloody Tunes, where we uh, pick a song related to Idle Hands that reminds us of that film that uh, we like to listen to and we want to tell you about. So, Preston, what is your bloody tune in relation to Idle Hands? So, uh, not too long ago, I just weird stuff pops up not pornographic but weird stuff pops up on my uh youtube feed all the time just because i go down like really weird comedic routes with like stand up and whatever and so key and peel sketches like find their way in there every now and then and so i came across like one where and it just blew my mind that darius rucker was the front man of hootie and the blowfish (laughs) and so of course there's the yeah, because I only want to be with you. So there's that one. But he also did a song called Hold My Hand, um, which, you know. We'll take him by the hand. I mean, it writes itself. But so there's that. But then, you know him being like a big 90s guy because this the idle hands soundtrack is just filled with offspring and blink 182 and both of them make a cameo in the both uh members of both bands make uh well one of them is a whole band but blink 182 i think believe tom delong pops up in there uh playing a guy that works at the the burger joint in there um so yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish Hold My Hand would be my pick um, because it's 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 a nice sweet song that would would be makes me think of that the the moment at the end where Jessica Alba and and Anton are uh, giving each other a nice smooch. So that that would be my pick. I uh, I, I like that a lot. I like that you went uh, Hootie and the Blowfish style. <laughs> That yes. is uh, pretty good. And uh, Darius Rucker, might I say, um, has a brand new album out that came out um, earlier this year, late last year. And, and our good friend Chris August out in Nashville has a song on it. Pretty good. Um, Sweet. Have you ever listened to the country version, his country version of I Only Want to Be With You? Yes, I have. It's really good. Yeah, I, I enjoy that one. I, I do, too. I like where... 
Um, so something similar with Stevie Wonder that I've seen Stevie Wonder a few yeah. times in concert. He does Sign Sealed Delivered as a country version, and it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like that aspect of it. But yes, I have. So Preston, you really uh, you really got me excited with the the My Bloody Tunes for this movie just because I thought of four of them, and they're all <laughs> hilarious. So uh, Eric Clapton losing my hand. No, no. Uh, uh, Alanis Morissette. I got one hand in my pocket. <laughs> oh, perfect. He said everything's gonna be fine, fine, fine. Cause I've got one hand in my pocket and the other one is giving a high five. Yes. <laughs> And the other one's flicking a cigarette. Uh, I just thought about that one immediately. And I was like, oh, shit, that would be hilarious and amazing and hilarious. Um, another one that was really on the nose uh, was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds' uh, Red Right Hand. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. red right hand pow yeah. but uh, the, which they used in like scream and dumb and dumber yes for sure and the other one that uh my favorite bon jovi song uh which was featured in space balls oh it kills me so much to uh to um sing that song just because that song doesn't get a lot of uh uh play and then um and then you mentioned eric clapton but i want to say eric clapton's hand jive So, mm. uh, hand jive, the hand jive, doing that crazy hand jive. So, yeah, those were my four that I immediately thought of. Uh, but, yes, I think that the winner is hand in my pocket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Alanis Morissette, 1995, off Jagged Little Pill. Um, I do believe, if we're talking about, you know, Jessica Alba in the 90s, Alanis Morissette, oh, boy, did I have a crush on her. Uh, when her album came out when I was a very young 13, 14 years old. A lot of people did. Like It makes me think of uh, that that great movie that is underappreciated that came out a few years ago, Into the Tour, about David Foster Wallace. Yes. And he had that whole bit in the movie where he's talking about having a crush on Alanis Morissette for the longest time. And like she's like the one person crush that he has that's not like you know that's completely glamorous and always looks like they're shot like for vogue magazine or something uh but can imagine her chowing down on a bologna sandwich (laughs) you know she's she's real and 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 she's god so yeah uh, she is um and damn you dave couillet for breaking her heart um so there you go uh Alanis Morissette, one hand in my pocket. That is the Bloody Tunes. 
we're moving on to bloody recommendations before we get to our main event bloody recommendations where we recommend a new or vintage movie or tv show in the horror realm that we want to tell you about that you want to see immediately i do believe this episode 90 we've got two brand new movies that we're going to mention so listen up people preston yes so mine is not to be confused with the relic which came out in the 90s which uh i hope we talk about at some point because i remember watching that movie uh very vividly as a kid but uh no i it is relic drop the the because it's cleaner so 2020 relic uh this movie is directed by natalie erica james this is her feature debut she's a japanese australian filmmaker and this movie is set in australia takes place just like a wooden area just outside of melbourne um this movie uh stars emily mortimer uh bella heathcote uh which i i love her she was uh fantastic in that professor marsden movie uh, another movie that played at fantastic fest um and then emily mortimer of course stuff like shutter island and things like that but she's great um but the the big performance for me out of this film is uh played by robin nevin and um she's from like the matrix films um so this movie is about three gen also three generations of women um but more specifically it is about a daughter and a mother coming uh going to visit their grandmother and then when they arrive at her house she is missing she has nowhere to be found so all that is in the house are these little post-it notes uh, throughout the house saying like various things like take your pills things like that because she may be suffering from dementia um so she has to put all these reminders out there in a shelby kind of way uh for any memento fans out there and so they put out a little bit of a search party please file a police report they just kind of hang around at the house going through some of the stuff because there's a lot of crap just all throughout the house because you know when you go to over, over your grandmother's house like there's just it's it's just like a box of history like not much changes in there like uh so you can just kind of go through f- uh, old family photo albums and um favorite quilts i don't know whatever and so there's just like all this stuff in the house so they spend that time kind of going through the stuff mindlessly and and then one morning uh, the grandmother arrives and so she's back but there's her blood on her nightgown and uh she's a bit dirty there's like these spots on her um so they question that like what, what where have you been grandma um and then she just simply says uh something along the lines of uh, i was just out I, I was just going for a walk kind of thing. Um, so they just kind of like push past that a little bit. And then we get into uh, the rest of the movie, which uh, interestingly is about a manifestation of dementia that consumes this, this house. So it's a haunted house movie, but it uses like pieces of reality or reality that we know, like being scared of dementia. Like, I mean, that's terrifying to me. Like I, I, talk about that with my wife all the time about uh when am i going to go in a home i don't how long do i think i'm going to be alive and uh, as long as i have a sound mind i'm happy and i just don't want to 
have that day come where I can't really communicate very well. I don't like my memory fades. Like I just, it's just absolutely terrifying to me. And so this movie uses that as a way to uh, just create something truly terrifying using like something that is really terrifying in the world, but putting it, filtering it through this, the, the horror genre through a, a, a haunted house movie. And so this house serves as a uh, illustration of its owner's mind. So there's times where the hallways just do like impossibly like it's an impossible labyrinth at times and like walls begin to decay and things like that. So there's like really fascinating stuff that they do in here. I think if you're watching this as a super horror fan, you, it has like, uh, uh, it's, it's a bit of a, an issue to me cause it, it, it's kind of become a cliche at this point. Like when there's a lot of teases in it, just tease after tease of, of like something scary about to happen and then it's just like a shot of uh of the of the outside like just a house shot do you know what i'm talking about like when something's about to be like uh and then just like a shot of the outside in the next day and you're like whoa no keep going um so there's a lot of that um but then once you like fully know like what's going on because it takes a bit like half the movie and this movie is only like 90 minutes long uh, to for all the cards to be kind of laid out for you so you can fully take in like what this movie is about where it's going um, but then you know in retrospect looking at it, I appreciated it a lot more for the way that it went about things um, so like when you're first watching it you may have your red pin out a little bit but as you keep going and then you realize like what the movie really is about and it's it's very sweet so it's one of those rare occasions when a movie can just terrify you and there are moments in here that pay homage to something very mod like a modern horror filmmaker like ari aster like there's one disturbing image in here that uh i'm just like oh my god this is like the bird pecking scene from the witch or several scenes from uh midsommar <clears throat> or I'm sorry, Robert Eggers. So like Robert Eggers and Ari Aster, like there's just like disturbing imagery in here that just feels plucked right out of that. And I think will uh, satisfy a lot of horror fans today that are into that sort of thing while also tugging at the heartstrings a little bit, having more to say like in a quiet place kind of way, like uh, it makes your heart swell a little bit um, while disturbing you. So uh, uh I think that's awesome that a movie can do that. And so right now, this is probably my favorite horror movie of this year um, outside of uh, Invisible Man, which I absolutely love. So just in terms of like how small it is, I think it was just like a big surprise that a movie could uh, just be that effective while just I thought it was going to be something very routine and average. And it's one of the best movies to come out of Australia horror wise since uh, probably the Babadook. So I really enjoyed this one. I know James Cole Clay, a friend of the show didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, so I hope Brian that you get around to watching this. Cause I, I think it's pretty solid, uh, not super amazing or anything like that. I gave it like a three and a half star rating, but um, in terms of, like horror for this year, which there's not a lot because of the pandemic going on. Uh, I, 
this was a, a surprise uh, for me. And that is Relic from IFC Midnight. Yeah, I really want to see it. Our good friend Susan Stevens uh, also watched it. She enjoyed it. And she said that this movie would be right up my alley. So I really want to see it now. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so you can you can rent that today. It's on digital platforms. Heck yeah. Excellent. Uh, the Relic, or not The Relic. Interesting when you say The Relic, because we got to do The Relic. Yes, we do. Um, yes. The movie. Interesting. Um, I went to college with a guy who played the kid Eugene in that movie. Uh, his name is Dave Grobar, and uh, we would get him absolutely on that show. <laughs> yes, please. That would be perfect for in, in that way that you were describing earlier on with like getting these uh, uh, people that had maybe smaller jobs in the film but have so much knowledge about the making of it. Yeah, no, that would be really fun because uh, he was a real little kid at that time. But, yeah, it'll be great to <laughs> get him on the show. <laughs> so, yes, Relic. All right. So my bloody recommendation is also a brand new movie that you can now watch on Shudder exclusively. It is called The Beach House, not to be confused with Beach House, the romantic comedy. But, yes, The Beach House, directed by um, Jeffrey A. Brown and starring Noah LaGrosse, Liana uh, Liberato, Marianne Nagel, and of course the awesome Dawn of the Dead star from 2003, Jake Weber. So the Beach House, it's a summertime horror uh, film uh, that just dives into a hellish nightmare with four unfortunate souls uh, <laughs> uh, at, at the center of it. And it's kind of like a psychedelic journey into monsters and madness, kind of while staying grounded at the same time inside these four characters' personal relationships. But uh, it's a really good mix of atmospheric terror, gore, and storytelling. And I would describe it as H.P. Lovecraft and Stephen King together going on a vacation to a beach house together where their creations came true. <laughs> That's how I kind of mm. describe this movie. Uh, and it's actually really good. So it kind of centers on a young couple named Randall and Emily who arrive at this beach house for a long weekend of romance. Uh, and then like right away, it's like they see that there's like an older couple there already staying at the house. And after kind of like an awkward introduction, the four uh, guests at this house kind of like have a really good time and uh, they do drugs and food and booze and stuff like that. But their relationships are kind of rocky uh, with each other and with like inside the couples, but then elements of nature really start to turn against them in this kind of, virus-like thing sets out from nature in the form of like gross slimy worms and sea creatures and then that just dives into kind of like possession and uh, a mist and type of stuff so it's got like this hp lovecraft and stephen king vibe to it and it just like slowly descends into hell basically uh but it's also kind of telling a story of kind of like the struggles of a relationship and uh it is a uh, pretty damn good um the director jeffrey a brown i mean i would say he really hasn't done much as a way of feature films like this is his first big feature film 
to do. Um, he's mostly known for being a location scout uh, in his previous uh, previous years of work on such films as uh, The Dead Don't Die, the Netflix series The OA, Master of None, Wolf of Wall Street, Spider-Man 3, and a production assistant on Super Troopers. So he's taken this horror genre and just really uh, taken in the producer – of the film was uh, Andrew Corkin, who was the big producer for We Are What We Are and Martha Marcy May Marlene. So a pretty good uh, crew uh, to tackle this subject. And I mean, it's original. There's really not a whole lot of stuff you've seen in stuff like this before. And for like gore hounds, oh yes, there's like a self-surgical scene trying to get a worm out of somebody's body. And oh my God, and for me to say that is pretty impressive. Um, so it, it, it's pretty damn good. And I mean, I'm not going to compare it to, you know, so Ari Aster and his two movies, Midsommar and Hereditary, on another level. <laughs> but this is like getting close to that. Like this is somebody who's doing something different in the horror genre, and it's quite great. And um, you could even say that this is kind of an homage to those 50 50s horror films where there's something happening but it's like a modern take on it because there's really nothing like silly about this movie uh it's pretty good the beach house on shutter please check it out that's my recommendation this week and i i hope i hope preston checks it out as well yeah i uh i'm very curious just because i haven't watched i have a shutter account but i haven't been watching as much things on it since uh that uh what's that that cursed tv show or series that was on there um so yeah i'm looking for like something new to watch on there and i've heard good things from or at least from you um i know courtney howard uh, who i work with at fresh fiction also wife of jeff howard we were talking about earlier with escape from la uh she i don't think she was the biggest fan of it but she did comment on like one specific gross out scene or is that pretty evident when you watch it oh yeah she's talking about the self-surgery scene for sure okay yeah (laughs) uh yeah i'm curious just because uh uh, you know with with like horror stuff like our tastes tend to uh align in that in that in that area and so with hp lovecraft and things like that yeah that, that that sounds exciting so i'm definitely curious about this one no, I, I really liked it because um, it was just something new and doing something different type of thing. And cool. the mix of uh, practical effects with the visuals, I, it, it was good. So uh, I, I enjoyed it. And with a team like, you know, the guy who produced We Are What We Are and Martha Marcy May Marlene, that, I mean, that, yeah. he knows what he's doing. So cool. <laughs> pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Oh, you just reminded me when you were when we were talking about Ari Aster, uh, that, that there's news about Midsommar director's cut, uh, coming straight out of a 24 on 4k where you can get that. It's sold out now, but you can get it on eBay for a lot of money. Yeah. Don't, don't go to eBay and get it for a lot of money. They, uh, have said they are restocking the 4k. So just wait a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Wait a little bit. So, uh, yeah, yes, Midsommar on 4K. We could we could do a diatribe about that, but we're not going to because we're going to get to our main event. Yes. Uh, Idle Hands, heck yes, Idle Hands, 
released April 30th, 1999. I was I was 17 or 18 years old, which means Preston was how old was Preston then? Uh, nine. I you were nine. nine, so we're ten years younger. Okay, so about ten, ten yeah, ten, uh, nine years younger than me. But uh, yeah, I, I I remember seeing this in the the theater with some friends and just having a fucking ball with it. Uh, unfortunately, this this movie had a pretty good budget uh, for twenty five million, but it did not do so well in the box office. It made about four million in the box office. However, it's become a great cult film on home video since then. Directed by Rodman Flender, who we had on the show. Uh, few months ago talking about his movie eat brains love and it stars a cavalcade of amazing actors including devon sawa seth green jessica alba vivica a fox robert england as the voice of the hand fred the late fred willard and then um Mindy Sterling, you know, uh, Frau from Austin Powers, as well as Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, and a young Ricky Martin, <laughs> which is yeah. crazy. So uh, this movie, I, <laughs> this movie is all sorts of fun and silly and great, and it just I. Is it still good as it was those years ago, even if uh, even in previous releases? Um, Preston, I, I'm going to say yes. I still like this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have a ball with this movie every time I watch it. Um, I just enjoyed it so much when I was when I was a kid because I was really into this kind of like silly stuff like this. And it was just right up my alley. And now when I'm when I watched it not too long ago, when Scream Factory put out that great collector's edition of it. Uh, I got the opportunity to share it with my wife and um, uh, we were on opposite ends of the, the spectrum in terms of like feelings on it because she knows like what I what I like. And so but it, I just enjoyed watching it with her because it's like, oh, man, this is just one of those movies where it just seems like it's just on a whole other planet. But it's just so enjoyable for for doing that. Um so I think silly is the best way to describe it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily like a dumb movie or anything like that, but it's just silly has a lot of goofy moments that are just absolutely worth treasuring, whether it's a, a head falling down the stairs or a bottle in your head, uh, a cat eating an eyeball, um, hands the hand doing various things being cooked in a microwave there's just like so many things about it that are worth appreciating um from uh practical makeup and effects standpoint uh that rodman talked a little bit about when we had him on the show for eat brains love and um we hope to have him on the show pretty soon again to comment a little bit more deeply about the movie but it's just really, it's just a, it's a great time. I just, I enjoy it for all its antics um, and the, the stoner kind of comedy for it. Like these slacker type of guys uh, just getting in this sticky situation where uh, the devil is, is at their fingertips essentially. Um, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, and, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the, 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 the hangout factor of it. Like the, just these guys, like just blowing ass kind of thing and smoking grass. Um, for sure. So, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the movie, if you've never seen idle hands or forgot, you know, uh, Anton Tobias played by Devin Sawa, he just kind of an idiot teenager and he just kind of wakes up 
uh, one day, and <laughs> his parents are dead, and uh, and then his best friends come up dead, and it's because of his hand is possessed by uh, is possessed, and his friends end up coming back to life, <laughs> and uh, even with their heads cut off or like bottles in their head, it's just, and then um, uh, it just kind of goes from there, <laughs> trying to get this evil hand out of himself right yeah it's it's got the classic like teen 90s movie movie, kind of feel with uh you know that there's a prom at the end and so there's there's the girl next door uh dynamic there uh with between devon sawa and jessica alba um like he 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 devon sawa is the guy that's like rolling a joint playing video games and uh hanging out with his buddies but he's also the guy that's just like really interested in this girl, um, girl next door type of thing. Um, so there, there's just like a lot of things that just have those uh, nice gemstones from like various movies, like Evil Dead for you know with uh, the the hand, and then uh, Buffy and um, Carrie and all those all because the, they got the, the the prom at the end um so it's just uh it, it just tweaks all those uh areas that we may be familiar with uh with a really fun energy and i think that's just like bottom line what makes me enjoy the movie so much um is that it just has a really fun energy to it like it's just nice from the get-go as soon as you uh start with the the parents one of them played by Fr- the late Fred Willard, um, who they're they're turning in for the night, and then uh, they look up and there's like a thing, a, a note at the top saying like "I'm under your bed," and you're like, "Oh, okay," and um, and then the, the mom gets consumed by whatever's underneath the bed, and then uh, you know immediately get into like some of the uh, get to know Devin Sawa's character and. Um, so, the, yeah, like I said, I, there's just, like, so many moments all throughout that just had me cracking up. Certain lines, um, most notably between, like, Seth Green. I think Seth Green is the, the MVP here. Like, he probably just had so much uh, free, like, a, a whole free platform to just run away with a little bit and just kind of bring himself to it. Um, and so that I just found that so incredibly enjoyable uh, with him being in there and so yeah 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 and then the prom sequence like with having the offspring being the band that's there and uh him getting the the front man getting his his uh top of his head ripped off or like scalps his, like in, yeah, in scalps, glorious yeah. bastards yeah yeah <laughs> in glorious bastards <laughs> and there's a sock puppet at the very end so it just this this movie is just absolutely bananas in the best way. It is. Um, I, I agree. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in this movie, which I always still die laughing at it, because it's like something kind of like straight out of like Kentucky Fried Movie or Amazon Women on the Moon, is when Devin Sawa is trying to cut his own hand off. Yes. And his dead friends are trying to help out, but nothing works. <laughs> And it's like so tense, and you're just like, "What is going to happen?" And it's like just nothing works because the hand like prevents anything from happening, and like Seth Green trying to cut it with like an electric knife and it being unplugged, and just like just it's just like a very silly Naked Gun, Kentucky Fried movie scene. 
<laughs> and it, I yeah. love it so much. Yeah, e- even like moments after that with like uh, one of them trying to attach their head uh, and using like various objects to like hold it in place. Like there's just like a, a fun process that is very much like you said, uh, Naked Gun or Mr. Magoo or something like that. It's just like situational humor at its finest. Yes, no, it is uh, it is pretty pretty damn good. That was definitely a, a scene highlight. So um, I'm going to say that, I mean, this film still holds a place in my heart just because it's one of those movies that there's, it's like about friendship and camaraderie, but not like it, it. It's not necessarily like like feel good. Like it is feel good, but it's also showcases like what real friends are like, like playing jokes and pranks and talking shit to each other. As you know, the final uh, you know frames of the movie where it's kind of like they're just p- playing a joke on this poor guy who's been through hell, uh, and I think that's really good. Um, so I, I really like that aspect of it um, so much. So I, I, I love that. So um, in this, this movie has been released a few times over the years. So there's many different additions to it. But the most recent one is the collector's edition of the Scream Factory, right? Yes. Yes. So um, the... What other editions? Because I know there was like you know a standard one, there was a, like a special edition, and then there's this collector's edition. There's there's probably other ones, right? Um, perhaps I'm only familiar with like the standard one just because I've seen it on the shelves, and so and, and I own it on VHS. Um, so this was like the groundbreaking release for me, or the ultimate release for me. Uh, is because I'm not sure like what other because I'm sure there's some other stuff maybe overseas. Uh, maybe Rodman can provide some insight on that or we could look it up. But as far as I know, like this is the the, the one that has the most juice in it. Yeah, they uh, they really did a, a good job um, of re- redoing this with uh, with with the video and audio stuff because it's got the 5.1 in there and then it's got a couple of commentary tracks uh then of course uh new interviews with people from the film and stuff like that i don't think there's any new interviews with like the main actors but like the 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 crew for sure right yeah, there, there, there are a few interviews, not not necessarily with like the main actors, but Eldon Henson is uh, right. He's, so he, he's in it. Uh, he, he comments a little bit about it, but he was talking a, a lot about like just being cracked up by stuff that like Seth Green was saying on it. But there's nothing with like Devin Sawa or Jessica Alba or anything like that. But there's there, there there's a lot of great stories in there from. Uh, some of the various other actors and filmmakers and Robin Flinder has great stories on there as well that we'll probably highlight a a little bit more when we speak to him. Right. Correct. Um, And so is there any like social or political commentary in this movie? I mean, for being like a spoof and funny comedy horror stoner, but is there something in here that just kind of like what's speaking of the time? Um, I I don't know. I haven't put that much thought into it, but I, I, it's just a bit of a time capsule movie for me. Like just, 
just captures that 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 fun energy and music of the time. Um, I don't I I don't know. Was there anything that stuck out to you in terms of like having something a, a, a little bit more to say or think about? I, I, I would just say kind of took it as just playing with a lot of uh, the horror ingredients that we may be familiar with and just uh, turning it into its own little undead monster in a way. No, yeah, I think I think there's that aspect, but I also think maybe like you know maybe it's trying to say like do drugs, like it helps. Uh, yeah, weed <laughs> saves the day. Um, yeah, weed saves the day, <laughs> right? I mean, ju- don't just always say no. <laughs> right. Say yes sometimes. <laughs> when the, the when the situation when it feels right, light it up. Yeah, light it up. So uh, other than that, I don't know if like any political or social commentary can be really said. Uh, but no, it, I, I think there's just like an underwhelming thing of like friend, friendship and loyalty and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely with that. I mean, if you killed your friends and your friends still stay friends with you when they're dead, uh, they must really love you. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And now, uh, talk about that. Let's move on to the insane, crazy fucking soundtrack this is. And why is this not on vinyl? It has an insane 1990s soundtrack, uh, complete with a score by mostly David Garza. But, um, whole, oh my God, the... Uh, People like um, Rob Zombie and yeah, man, I smile every time that that Dracula song comes on because that that movie was like or not movie, but uh, Rob Zombie's track is just like such a such a big song for me when I was a kid, and just to hear that going back, I was just like, ah, oh, those are just precious memories. No, it is, but like Motley Crue, Shout Out the Devil, Blink-182, <laughs> Zebrahead. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty crazy, um, the amount of uh, people on this album. Um, Mama Say Knock You Out, originally performed by LL Cool J, but done in a uh, hardcore metal one, The Waking Hours. Like, it is... It's yeah, and The Offspring's pretty... doing uh, the Ramones songs. Yes, yes. It's a... Uh, pretty damn good one and i i think it was released on cd only i don't think it was ever released on vinyl which i can't i can't imagine it not because it's such a great soundtrack yeah i mean it came about in a time where you know vinyl was it wasn't in its comeback yet um so i'm sure it exists on tape and cd only but yeah it should definitely have a vinyl release uh it, Mondo. It should. no for sure and <laughs> um it, it's pretty crazy, but other things were used in here, like Two Live Crew, Pop That Coochie song. I mean, it's it's 90s at its finest, basically, <laughs> this this soundtrack. Um, are there any fun uh, behind-the-scenes stuff that we should tell our listeners about? Um, I'm trying to think of, like, was there anything... I mean, I, I knew a lot about... Uh, information the based off information that that came out of the special collector's edition here from scream factory and they were talking about um things that seth rogan or not seth rogan seth green brought to it um how they reshot the ending to really give into that that 
the 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 moments that we were just talking about that are so cherishable of like uh, weed is the answer saves the day. Um, some other stuff uh, that I recall was uh, Robman talking about uh, filming the same neighborhood that the original 1978 Halloween was uh, shot in Pasadena, right? Correct. Um, correct. So there's that. Um, I believe where they um, did the prom, it's the same place that they did Buffy. That is correct as well. And then um, the the hand itself um, is also played by the, the, the magician who was in control of that Christopher Hart um, from the Adams family who did the uh, thing. Yeah, it is a uh, pretty damn good. I did read somewhere that Robin Flinder wasn't the original yes. um, director for this. A few other directors dropped out and then he came on. Yeah, uh, I remember he, we'll get him to talk a little bit more about this, but I, I think he just had a great reputation or has a great reputation for just uh, being able to just kind of take something over and uh, just uh, do something work quickly um so he he was the right man for the job so he um, sure was he yeah. sure was it's good 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 stuff there there's a lot of little music cameos in there and yeah. from blink 182 and the offspring so uh very horror and music heavy metal uh, <laughs> good stuff um and i would i would say definitely definitely recommend this movie get this on scream factory get the collector's edition it is still still so much fun to watch and i think it's a great movie to watch around october halloween time or any time really but i i really love this movie yeah it's 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 uh like popcorn worthy junk food movie um for, for me I, I i like uh i just enjoy it. even like um the expedition of Vivica Fox's character in the movie, which we didn't really talk about, like her character introduction starts with like her being a nun, getting some information on trying to be hunting down the the serial killer kind of thing, um, and trying to find the the right hand. Um, so that there, there's a lot of fun to be had with that whole thing as well. So there, there's a there's a lot of moving parts, but they all uh, work uh, tandem. No, for sure, for sure. I think it, I did, I just like this movie, and it's uh, it was about time our 90th episode to talk about this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and I didn't mention the whole like one of my favorite images out of this whole movie is when the hand sharpens its fingertips in the pencil sharpener. <laughs> oh yes, that is pretty wonderful. <laughs> and you gotta you gotta um you gotta give it to Devin Sawa. You know, like Bruce. Campbell really did a good job with his possessed hand in Evil Dead too, you know, like making it like have a mind of its own. Devin Sawa did a really good job with it too. Yeah, he he went almost like full Jim Carrey from Liar Liar in the bathroom. <laughs> no, he did. He sh- he sure did. So uh, I definitely recommend Idle Hands by Rodman Flander. Uh, Rod- Rodman Flander. Devin Sawa, Seth Green, oh my goodness, yeah, y'all are amazing. And I just hope that these, because uh, I know Rodman still loves this movie, but I hope like Devin and Seth and Vivica and Jessica still like love this movie and know that it's still wonderful. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, 
Yeah, I'd like to see some. Uh, I, I know Seth Green does because I've seen some anniversary uh, footage with him uh, talking about his feelings on on the movie and how how important it was to him. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it holds as dear place in their hearts as it does for us. Heck. Yes. And that wraps up our 90th episode of my bloody podcast. Oh my goodness. We're going to get back to a regular schedule here and um, get some more, get some more awesome movies coming up in the future. Some more people on the show, uh, more special guests. Uh, But yeah, Preston, it's always a pleasure doing this with you. Yeah. Happy to as much as we can. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, where can everybody find you on them internets, on them intertubes? So uh, I've been a slow just a little bit lately with uh, the amount of content that I've been producing. But uh, just today, I should have like four reviews up. They're nothing like really lengthy. So I haven't put out like anything just because of time uh, that I'm just like incredibly proud of. But it's just like this, these are my feelings on the movie. That's really what matters and so um i have quite a bit of reviews that are come out today including relic that i've already talked about um so you can find that on dittonrc.com for ditton record chronicle um you can also find some of my stuff and stuff of others of people that i've talked about already on on this episode here and that is for freshfiction.tv where i'm the features editor and then you can find me on Instagram, no longer under Preston Barta for uh, job reasons. And so you can now find me under the handle Blu-ray Dad, um, which is what I'm all about. I collect Blu-rays and I'm a dad and I'm proud of both of those things. Heck yes. I like it. Um and you can find me all over the internet as well, just like Preston. You can find me at boomstickcomics.com. Where you can find uh, movie reviews and podcast information and inter- interviews, as well as High Def Digest, where I'm talking about Blu-rays, 4Ks, High Def equipment, as well as Screen Rant, where I'm writing fun, ridiculous lists, such as the two most recent ones, the 10 best lines of dialogue and bill and ted's excellent adventure and the 10 funniest moments in martin scorsese movies pretty great there as well as youtube and instagram brian kluger just type it in in youtube all sorts of fun stuff and we will be back next time with episode 91 sticking stuck in the 90s we'll see you later preston yes see you later